Hey there, sports fans. It's Grit and Glitter, two great tastes that go great together. My name is Harley R. Patchett. My name is Adam Fear. My name is Mayday. I plan on eating neither grit nor glitter. It's us. We're back. And if it's the three of us, it must be an Impact Wrestling episode, of course. Right? We're the Impact Dream Team over here. It really is. Like, last week, Mayday was kind enough to be on our predictions and projections episode, and immediately upon completing the recording, I said, well, back again next week, right, Mayday? We got Impact to cover, and uh, luckily, uh, Mayday is very uh, uh, willing to come back to talk about Impact at any point. Um, Honestly, every time I watch an Impact pay-per-view, every time we cover Impact, I think we could really just cover Impact's women's division full-time and have plenty to talk about every week. Um, I'm glad we don't do that, obviously, for lots of reasons, because there's so much other stuff to cover. But it's always a joy to come back to Impact, especially when we get to, to cover uh, two really great matches, one of which uh, was a pretty pretty thrilling conclusion to the storyline that has been building for several months now. So, um, yeah. Yeah, since like the last pay-per-view, I think. So, yeah, months, plural. Yeah, months. Well, we were so insistent that Mayday join us that uh, he's not even at home. He's on the road, driving, window down, <laughs> one-fourth of a steel cage in your car. Oh, not even, a sixteenth. Where were you? Where are you headed at the moment? What's the weather like? How's well, life? right now I'm headed home. I'm headed home from Philadelphia. It is very, very cold, and the fact that the window is down is not helping. And you're taking your cage down to test out to see if it would fit in a venue. Correct. And it did. So, you know, good. Except now I have to drive it all the way home again. <laughs> <laughs> but had to be done. Had to test it. Had to make sure. Something to find out beforehand. Not something we want to discover on the day. <laughs> see friends out there saying, oh, it's so easy to run a wrestling promotion. I could do it. Well, are you really prepared for the sacrifices that uh, you're going to have to make? In order to run your promotion, are you prepared to drive one sixteenth of a steel cage down how many hours, Mayday? Uh, it's about two and a half up and two and a half back. All right, so about five hours round trip just to make sure that it can actually fit in your venue of choice. Are you ready for these sacrifices? Because if you're not, this is. Everybody wants to fantasy book on 2K22. Nobody wants to actually do the grunt work. (laughs) <laughs> and you can only fit one sixteenth of the cage in your car. So that means you're going to have to do 16 trips back and forth. <laughs> oh, hell no. That's going to be brutal. <laughs> Times two and a half hours. Quick, somebody do the math. <laughs> up and back and up and back. Wait, you fit one sixteenth of a, of a cage in your car. How big is your car, Mayday? Uh, it's actually not my car. would not fit in my <laughs> car, but it's a very large vehicle. I was going to say, because one sixteenth of a cage doesn't sound like that much of a cage, but when you think about how big a cage is, one sixteenth of that cage is still pretty. Is a lot bigger than you think. That's why the window's down. (laughs) Big enough that you have to take it somewhere to make sure that it will fit inside. What are you gearing up for? When's the next uh, CFU taping? Uh, The taping is March 3rd. The premiere, I don't know. Probably sometime slightly later in March. And can we expect to see Impact Knockout Champion number one contender Masha Slamovich on the card? By God, you can. Very, very exciting times for uh, for CFU. Possible double champion there, in the future. There is a possi- I'll say there's a possibility of champ champ. 
And you bet your ass if she gets that knockout title, uh, we're taking champ champ photos. Champ champ. Champ champ Slamovich has a yes. nice way. Champ Champovich. Two Champovich. Oh my God. Come on. That's got to happen. I hope so. Double Champovich. Live to kill. Sounds like a sad boy pro card. Live it so hard. Impact arrives on pay-per-view for the first time in 2023. We've been talking for, I don't remember when Mayday first joined this podcast, but we specifically, we found you because we were reaching out online to our, our mutuals saying, is there anybody who is like really been watching Impact week to week? Because we've been hearing good things, me and I, and we've been checking out the pay-per-views here and there. But we don't watch weekly. We could use somebody who's really in the trenches watching it week to week because we've been hearing good things. So we've been like hearing good things about Impact for a couple of years now. Probably, I'm going to say like 20, yeah, 2018-ish when uh, Scott DeMore took over. That's when they started their upswing, their most recent upswing. Impact is a story of ups and downs. But their most recent upswing was probably 2018 is when it started. Yeah, the, the, the graph of Impact's life... <laughs> Chasing from the beginning, you know, back to the yeah. days is like it's a it's a rocky mountain r- range of highs and lows. The dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy centers. Mm. But the past year or two, especially, I'd say they've really been killing like across all fronts, right? People are talking about Jordan Grace's title reign as being one of the greatest knockout reigns ever, and then you can say the same thing about Josh Alexander. You can say the same thing about like every. Every time Speedball steps in a ring, you know it's going to be just a classic. I'm not entirely sure Speedball knows how to have a bad match. (laughs) That's a a good challenge to put towards him. Go out there and just, like, phone it in this week, and he's like, uh, no? Have we had a, um, just because they had a scramble match, um, have we had a one-on-one between uh, Kushida and Speedball? If they have, it hasn't been an impact. Uh, because it needs to happen. Hook it to my veins. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it did happen, it would have had to have been like years ago because Kushida was in NXT for a while and Speedball couldn't wrestle in the States. That's true. And Kushida was, or uh, Speedball was trapped in Canada. Yeah, so if it did happen, it was like, it's like 10 years ago. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it hasn't happened. If someone That'd be has, my guess as well. has evidence to the contrary, it's okay. So this needs to happen. Please it give does. it to me. Give it to me now. I need I need this very, very... I know this is a women's wrestling podcast. We will get to women's wrestling. But, like, <laughs> on a side note, I need the world's preeminent Back to the Future-inspired pro wrestler to wrestle the one, the only, the imitable, the never-stop-stopping um, speedball Mike Bailey. I need, I need this. I need this, like, today, tonight, right now. <laughs> right now. Someone go wake him up. Get him out of bed. Get him in the ring. Let's go. Slap him in the faces, get him in the ring. He knows Speedball's ready. Speedball sleeps in his gear. I was wondering, though, the fact that Impact has been, like, killing it so much the past year or two, especially, 
is a part of that possibly due to the fact that they're not the number two promotion in America anymore. There's not this like feeling of like, oh, we need to try to go compete with WWE. We need to go head to head with them. We need to get Hogan. We need to get Bischoff and Russo. We need to like reignite the Monday Night War again. I think with AEW around, they know they're number three, at, at least, uh, maybe four, depending on what happens with Ring of Honor. Yeah, it's like right now they're three by default because there is no Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah, but so I'm wondering if that's free. When there was a Ring of Honor, it was kind of debatable, but now they're three. See what happens when Ring of Honor comes back. Yeah, so is that, you know, does that make it easier? It's like a weight off their shoulders. Like we don't need to try to like prove that we're on par with WWE. We can just do our own thing. We can sign a bunch of really good wrestlers. I would actually disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because their most recent upswing started in 2018. Before there was an AEW, they were already on the rebound or the, the newest rebound. Um, what I think happened, I think the, the catalyst is um, Anthem, which now owns Impact and also the channel that they air on, Access TV. Anthem owns everything. So it's kind of a win-win situation for everyone. Anthem wants cheap first-run programming, and so you know Impact gives that to them for free, essentially. They own the channel. They own the company. It's essentially free. Um first-run programming on their channels. In return, they kind of leave Impact alone. They just say, you guys just go do whatever it is you do, and when you finish making episodes, send us the episodes, um, which gives Impact a lot of creative freedom that they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's everybody wins type situation. I mean, it, it's obvious because their women's division does set them apart, but I also think that one of the powers of impact in the you know, the big upswing since 2018 is the fact that not only do they have a women's division that is compelling and that they give time to, but they also have embraced being a promotion that puts its women forward. They've embraced being a promotion that has women who regularly main event their pay-per-views at this point. They've embraced having women as as champions or, or contenders in, for belts that weren't typically held by ever held by women. Um, that's incredibly rare. And they have not only like entered this, but they have done so with their head up, essentially. So that's I mean, I don't want to say that impact is anything that it's not. Impact does plenty of things that are great. They, they have oh, impact going to impact impact going to impact, as we like to say. Uh, and they they have lots of people on their roster who are not particularly savory characters or they've held on to storylines and done things even within the last couple of years that like are not to my taste or most people's tastes or to modern wrestling taste that being said they're incredibly progressive for a major wrestling promotion in the fact that they have they have vaulted their women in so many ways and they also have done what AEW loves to claim that they've done which is you know put forward people who are up and comers and really give them a spotlight to shine AEW has done this to a handful like has has done this to a certain degree they've picked their kind of their their pillar rookies or pillar like newbies and given them like big platforms to shine impact does this on a regular on a on a regular rotation and you can look at someone like masha slamovich as as a proof of concept there because yeah masha is a person who is a you know known name on the independent circuit was an up and coming fast very quickly rising star in independent wrestling she gets into impact and within the first year on impact she is a number one contender for the women's championship several times over um making match of the year lists because based on the work that she's been you know she's doing 
and getting a spotlight because of it. So like impact really does put their, their money behind these people and put the spotlight on them and gives them, gives them ample opportunity to shine in a way that like, I honestly just, I don't think that the other major promotions really do to that extent. I I would definitely agree. And to use Masha as an example, um, impact also, um, again, I don't know if it's Gail Kim or Scott Demore or Jimmy Jacobs or some combination of all three, but they have a very good eye for talent. Masha was originally brought in as a one-off against Deanna Perrazzo. It was supposed to be like the, you know, I hate to say the jobber, but like she's here to give Deanna a good match and that's it. She got signed after that match, spur of the moment, like Gail Kim decided we need to sign this woman. And they, they signed her then and there. Like that was not the plan. She impressed them so much that they signed her. And to everyone's credit, they then immediately pushed her and she stepped up to that push and everyone, she knocked it out of the park. And now, like you said, number one contender several times over, et cetera, et cetera. Like they saw something in her and they were correct. Kushida versus Speedball happened August 2017 in Sheffield, England for What Culture Pro Wrestling? <laughs> that makes sense. You you put them both overseas. That's how you solve the problem. That makes for what for WCPW. There's a blast from the past. Oh, I know. What? Someone raise a hand. Who remembers what culture? What culture? What? I remember. It's all the cultaholic guys. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, what culture still exists, but WCPW was all the now cultaholic guys. Oh my god, that's crazy. Okay, well, I'm gonna track down that match at some point. If it's trackable. All right. So hard to kill. We're supposed to have three women's matches on the pre-show. It was supposed to be the Death Dolls trio of Rosemary, Jessica, and Ty Valkyrie taking on Tasha Steele, Savannah Evans, and Giselle Shaw. It just never happened. They didn't. If they said why, I missed it. They didn't. I, I went back and looked at it again. It just didn't happen. They didn't mention it. It just never came up. They didn't even say, like, oh, it got bumped for time. Social media, like Impact's, Impact's Twitter, Rosemary's Twitter, like, they just stopped. They, they were hyping it. They were hyping it. Tune in tomorrow. It's going to be great. And then nothing. So, like, I still don't know what happened. Yeah, now I did read the – I'll try not to spoil things. I did read the taping reports that happened the night after the pay-per-view. So it's not it's not an injury. All six of these women wrestle at the TV tapings. So I don't know if it's just a, a question of time or if there was Maybe a... they just got bumped for time. Yeah, or if there was a day of decision to say, you know what, let's head in a different direction. Like maybe we have, maybe the people that were going to lose in this one, we decided we don't want... We want to keep all six of these people looking strong. So we're just not going to do the match at all. The only thing I can kind of think of and I've kind of been putting together is... Um, Trey Miguel versus, was it Black Taurus, was supposed to be on the main card, and they moved it to the pre-show, and that may be what bumped the the Death Dolls match. Why they didn't switch them, I don't know. They moved one, which bumped the other one off the card entirely. Maybe to give the main card show, or the main card matches more time to breathe? But that, that I, I don't sense. know. Wanting to give Mickey and wanting to give Alexander and Bully that, more that time. That may be it. Yeah, yeah. that might be it. But yeah, Trey Miguel and Black Tarus were were supposed to be on the main card, and they got put on the pre-show instead. And then they just didn't do the Death Dolls match at all. Yeah, weird. A, a at rare... least Filma, at least Filma, hey, so and so got attacked backstage. Guess we have to cancel the match. Like something, 
Right, right. Like, there's a lot of ways to, to cover for that. It's wrestling. Yes. There's always kayfabe reasons to like. Exactly. It's that, that's, again, impacts. Rosemary impact. decides we're not doing this match. I'm trapping all three members of our team and the, the other team in the undead realm. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, undead realm. I mean, you've got people who have like, you know, when, when there's fucking magic involved, like, yeah, the sky is the limit as far as excuses. Exactly. So, it, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm classic impact. I like impact gonna impact. <laughs> classic. We get our we get our spoonful of sugar. Exactly. Well, as a result, our first women's match on the card was a four-way number one contender match: Diana Perazzo, Masha Slamovich, Taylor Wilde, and Killer Kelly. Kelly came in with some fanfare last year, right? Had a bunch of vignettes, uh, like in hotel rooms or motel rooms, like yeah, coming in and almost like a contract killer type character. Yeah, and went on an undefeated streak and then kind of dipped out for a couple of months, right? Yeah, um, I don't know if it was injury or something else, but yeah, she just like fell off the face of the earth. They just stopped mentioning her, and now equally abruptly, she's back. This was it was a triple threat, and they're like, oh, by the way, Killer Kelly's there too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and like she she gets you know she gets big props. Um, obviously, Masha and Deanna come in with a you know a bit of fanfare. I had to laugh though, like Taylor Wilde makes her entrance. And like it's like oh, and now commentary is gonna stop talking about the match to talk about a all women's MMA event happening. Yeah. In the you gotta plug Twitter. it, Victor. And I mean, cool plug, please. But you're plugging it instead of introducing Taylor Wilde, which yeah. I thought was very funny because like by the time they actually get to to mentioning Taylor Wilde, and like she's already in the ring, she's already, already like, done. getting her like kudos. Well, and if you haven't been around the last month, you might be like. Who is this? Who is this witch? Yeah, I was about to say, I, I looked. Um, I, I did miss an episode right around New Year's, so it, maybe it was on that episode. But, like, like, she just randomly became a witch. Like, there was no storyline. There was no, like, corruption to the dark side. Or she discovered she has, I, I don't know, like, Wicca ancestors. I, like, she just, one day she's a witch. No explanation at all. I mean... She obviously she was there long enough. She felt comfortable finally, you know, unveiling her her. Witchness. I guess, but at least do some kind of introductory segment. Like she was like the happy, bubbly, like Taylor Wilde, and then her most recent run, she was like you know, elder stateswoman, veteran Taylor Wilde. She's gonna show these punk kids how it's done, and now she's a witch. Like what? Yeah, there are a lot of witches in wrestling, which is is fine. Whatever. There's a lot of. A lot of jocks. How, a lot also, of, how like, has she not crossed over with Rosemary yet? Well, that, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of confused with why, you know, if, if she's in that world, then she needs to be crossed over into Rosemary's sphere, like, very, yeah. very soon, right? Like The Rosemary-verse. The, 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 the undead realm. But yeah, witchy gimmicks are made for vignettes. Like, that's the one thing NXT yeah. UK and NXT has done well with Isla Dawn, is she's gotten tons of vignettes of her, like, casting her spells and steal, yeah. stealing people's hair and things. Do you guys remember? Oh, well, again, it fits perfectly in. Do you guys remember in early days of AEW when Brandy Rhodes was a witch? I don't know what she was. I don't think it was a witch. She was like a weird cult leader thing. Uh, no, because you're right. No, she was she was doing like she was collecting hair to like cast spells or something. You're right. She was a witch. Yeah, she was doing like Santeria or something, and she was, yeah, like, well, scalping people. 
protection circles and whatnot. Yeah. They, they I do rec- remember that. Yeah, the Nightmare Collective or whatever it was. It was her and Awesome Kong and Mel. Eventually, Mel Mel was like their first like convert, and they like shaved her head and like. But yeah, that was her thing. They would like they would like grab like ambush women and like like take their hair. Cut a lock of hair, yeah. Yeah, that's how Allie. That's what they did to Allie, and then like we didn't see Allie for months, and then Allie came back as the bunny because apparently that was like what prompted her to go bad. I don't know. AEW. It's wrestling. Anyway, wrestling. So you're saying Brandy is behind this? That's, that's why Taylor just shows Morgan. up and we don't get any explanation because we hey don't guys. know who did this to Taylor Wilde in two months this from now. Long... Yeah. Brandy it was Brandy. It was Brandy Rhodes. This Long-term long... booking. She's not Brandy on Raw Ro- SmackDown, so I mean... Impact dot debut. Kazarian's back. You, you never know who's going to He is. I'm sure they interacted plenty back in the ROH days, maybe early AEW days, so come on. Absolutely. Brandy Rhodes to Impact. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? So forward match. Be something. <laughs> We've got multi-time champion Diana Perrazzo. We've got former champ Taylor Wilde. That's correct, maybe. Yeah, Taylor was champ like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they at least sold. They at least sold that part once they started talking about her on commentary. And she pinned Masha on TV like a week ago. Which is okay. Yes, she did, and they bring that. Well, up. It's like a random small package. Like it wasn't yeah. even like a dramatic finish. It, that that's very weird. It was, and I wonder if that was some kind of audible. Was someone injured? Did we do? I. It was a very abrupt match end. But then, it, I mean, maybe it wasn't because then Masha did go on to murder everybody at ringside. So I mean, I don't know. It's true. And Masha, Masha pins Masha... Taylor here to win the match. Yeah, Masha came in. Oh, that's true. I mean, I didn't put those Masha... two together. That's a good point. Not that Masha doesn't usually come in with like a vengeance, but like she came in clearly needing to to prove something extra here. And yeah, I mean, she, when she does win, she it's specifically a pin on Taylor. Yeah. I thought, I thought of it as that old WWE booking strategy of, well, Masha lost on TV. So there's no way she's going to win this match, which means she's winning this match. Yeah. yeah. I get locked into like the, the new Japan style booking where it's like, if you're going to do that, it's usually in a tag match, not in a one-on-one match. I just genuinely didn't think they were going to make Masha number one champ or number one contender again, like immediately. Like she was just number one contender. Um, no. So I, I thought she was there just kind of to, to get a good match. And then I was I didn't know who was going to be number one contender. And then I'm like, oh, shit, it's Masha again. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Did that for anyone else? Did that tip the hand as far as what the outcome of the main event was going to be because for me it kind of cemented my idea that like my my thoughts that mickey was gonna win because a spoiler alert for those who are listening to this episode and haven't watched hard to kill and care about spoilers but uh yeah masha getting this and becoming number one contender i'm thinking okay so she's had these great matches with jordan are they really gonna like try and build up for like the third one are they trying to make this like a epic series like okay understood that could happen well, but, you can't have a rubber match if Jordan won the first two. Yeah, right. That's not. That's not a thing. Like, that's not a rubber match. That's not a rubber match. That's just the third match. Yeah. So uh, you know what? Again, I didn't even think about that. In retrospect, yeah, that does kind of tip the hand of the main event. But I, I, while watching it in real time, I did not see Masha winning and say, "Oh, clearly Mickey's going to win now." Didn't even occur to me at all. It's what occur. It, it did occur to me with the with the thought that. Yeah, possibly still they could just be building to a third match and try and build it into something, you know, even though it's not a rubber match, like 
built into yeah. like a third match in the series. Third, yeah. third time's a charm, essentially. Um, but to me, it was like, oh, okay. I think it's going to be Mickey because they're going to want to give Mickey like a big challenge right up front. Yeah. I was fairly confident Masha was going to win this one. I think regardless of who's in the main event, just because it's like, well, Deanna's had the title a bunch. So we, we, she's, she can take a step away for the time being. I don't really know what comes next for Deanna now uh, with the title picture sort of cemented and with Chelsea Green gone. That's a question mark as to how she figures out what to do to stay relevant for the next couple of months. But then Taylor Wilde didn't seem, doesn't seem like a main eventer, not with this new gimmick. And like you said, Kelly hasn't been around. So sort of by default, I was like, well, Masha's like the most credible of the four, even though she just lost twice. And they could do Masha Jordan three. You know, this earned, yeah. this gives her a reason to have another title match to continue the series. And if they do a third one, people would definitely think, well, she's winning this time. Yeah. You lose three in a row, you, you kind of lost all credibility. Yeah. Yeah. But that did not happen. And, it did not happen. <laughs> um, Masha had the win here um, by essentially being like, fuck your submissions. I'm going to throw a woman on top of you and yes. then pin that woman. And that's exactly what she I'll did. Throw and- a it's my favorite thing. It's one of my absolute favorite things in wrestling is breaking up a pin with a person yes. like not yourself. That happens all the time in tag matches, but like no. breaking up a pin with another body or a pin or a submission. I just, I, I, I can't get enough of that is using like a, uh, using another person as a weapon. I like it in tag matches when they use their tag partner that way. Um, I, I like it in four way matches when you can have this great moment where it's like any moment you're going to get a submission unless you toss a body on top of them. Well, so Kelly had Deanna in the Koji clutch when Masha hits a snowplow to Taylor onto the other two and pins Taylor. This protects Kelly, though, as well, right? Because she had the submission on Deanna. You, she had it on for a while, so you would think if that hadn't happened, Deanna would have been forced to tap. She had it on for a while there. Yeah. So yeah. presumably the sets of... And Kelly, I guess, is still undefeated, right? Like... She wasn't. She wasn't pinned. She didn't lose. Taylor lost. I was undefeated in the sense that she hasn't been pinned or submitted. I mean, she did lose this match, but yes. Yeah. So I like that as well because it sets up Kelly as a, a, a future challenger to either Mickey or Masha or whomever is champion come the spring. I think I think Kelly remains protected here. I think you know Diana even comes out still fairly protected here. Um, but yeah, this was this was obviously like the Masha powerhouse moment um, in a in a after like a streak of powerhouse moments too. So um, and again, I, I think that the tone was that early with Taylor that like she just wasn't a serious contender in this match beyond you know being in this match. She like her inclusion here, there was no point in which I was thinking, oh yeah, she's coming away here, number one contender, which is. This is unfortunate. I feel like the the early miss with the commentary with her entrance kind of set that tone from the beginning. Like, yes, her gimmick doesn't really speak to her being championship material at this particular moment, but then again, it's impact. Like, there's there's been more absurd premises for wrestlers who have become knockouts champion. It's just, I think that that expectation was set pretty early. Yeah. Also, getting that you know surprise win over Masha kind of you know put a target on her back for this match. 
So then our main event, the main event of the pay-per-view, for those keeping track, Impact, first pay-per-view of the year, we're in the main event. I don't think that's going to happen at the Royal Rumble. I'll be surprised. And it's definitely not happening at the AEW pay-per-view. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say with 100% certainty. Can I just say, like... Well, hang I, on. What, what time is the pay-per-view? Was there a match at 9.25 during the pay-per-view? <laughs> Um, I tried to, to kind of try to say this or to verbalize this to my partner earlier after rewatching, you know, this match, but like something that is so compelling to me about impact and the, the fact that these women are paper are main eventing the pay-per-view. It's not simply that they're main eventing a pay-per-view that that alone is of interest and is very appealing, but also like, this is a huge story. This is a long story. This is a story with many layers to it, built off of a veteran woman, like a, a veteran woman's wrestler. Like you just how how often do you get this? When do you get this? When do we get stories about women veteran wrestlers in wrestling in major promotions? Like we don't. We get them sometimes. We get them in, in Joshi. We get them in other maybe in, in independence, but like. In major promotions, a story like this, they've done with male wrestlers time and time again. You know, we even have yeah. paid special money to watch Ric Flair, like, die on screen in a last match. But, like, when do major promotions put front and center attention on a longtime veteran of women of the women's wrestling scene and do it with such eloquence and do it with such sensitivity and... Um, and admiration and respect like this is just so rare and yeah i'm like an emotional point right now but like re-watching the promo package before the match re-watching the match i got genuinely emotional like i did i got really emotional about this because you just don't see promotions putting this investment in not just a women's wrestler but a veteran talent someone who has been doing this for so long it was especially beautiful to see this culmination happen knowing how rare it is yeah i mean the the like you said the video packages were like uh, genuinely i'm gonna say i'm trying to think of the right word uh it, it tugged at the emotions like i i genuinely like i started feeling feelings during some of those video packages like and then again yeah obviously during the match itself was yeah that's and that as you as I heard you say that 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 is true like we never get that so like it sucks that that's so rare but like I'm I'm good on impact for doing it. Mickey James been wrestling 23 and a half years. Debuted August 1999. Debuted in the 90s. Oh my god. <laughs> wrestling consistently since then. She appeared on the very first TNA show ever when they were doing weekly pay per views back in 2002. Yeah, they had they had. Uh... Raven, in one of the little backstage mm-hmm. sketch or whatever, said, I was there at the beginning, and in case this is the end, I want to be here at the end. But, like, that's what he was referencing. Like, she's been here from the beginning. So that's yeah. the thing. The afternoon of the show, I'm like, Mickey's winning this. Come on. There's too much. There's, there's this, this last rodeo is just getting good. There's still too much story to tell. She's never wrestled Masha Slamovich. In a take match, in a four-way, in any capacity. She's never wrestled Killer Kelly in any capacity. And, like, like we can, we're, we're getting buzz around this. People are, like, talking about this outside of the regular Impact Faithful. We want to prolong this thing. 
by the time the bell rang to start the match, I was like, she's not winning this. They've, <laughs> they've convinced me. Mayday and I were chatting about it. I was like, no, they've like, this is this is this is the end. They got they got Tara here backstage. I was convinced. I was convinced that the only way she did win is if she then immediately vacated the title and retired, um, like Trish Stratus did. I was like that, that. Then maybe they'll give her the win, go out on a high note, happy, happy. I don't know if that's the best booking decision to then immediately vacate the title, but uh, but like other than that, I was I was hundred percent convinced Mickey was losing. Oh my god, I I love this Harley. I love this Mayday. I uh, if anyone remembers recently, me and Harley discussing this very storyline. Harley had predicted that she would win, and I predicted that she would lose, and that this would be the retirement. And then going into this match during the having watched, you know, the previous matches in the pay-per-view and et cetera, et cetera. Like we flipped. You're convinced she was winning. Yes, because Masha had one number one contender. And for whatever reason, I just felt like that kind of clinched a Mickey James win. I didn't know if I didn't think about it as far as like, would she, you know, automatically vacate and then still retire. But like, well, M, to what you were saying, though, it's so rare that a woman especially at the end of her career or near the end of her career, presumably gets this kind of actual treatment and actual respect and dignity that I was like, even impact wouldn't do all this for something that's not her final match. Having Tara there backstage, like wishing her luck, having Raven come back to be like, Hey, remember the gathering? Remember when I came to impact and I started my new flock and you were the very first person that I wanted in the flock having them there, having her parents and her cousin and her young son in the front row, having this big entrance with the Mattaponi tribal dancers and Mickey rising up in the full Native American gear because Mickey is, a lot of people don't know this, it was never acknowledged in WWE, but she is part Native American. She's part of the Powhatan tribe. So this big spectacle, and she's wearing the face paint, she's got this feathered cloak on. That's what convinced me. I was like, they're not, even Impact wouldn't go to all of this effort if this wasn't her last match. If it's not the retirement match. And I, I I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional about it. Like <laughs> even just thinking about it. Yeah, because it's fucking cool that they did. Like it's really it's really, really cool that they did. It's um because I, I think you're right to make that assumption, Harley. I really do. I, I think it's like this would have been such a beautiful farewell. It really would have been. But it wasn't. And <laughs> Instead, that actually it makes like, it better, I think. It makes it better because it's a celebration of a wrestler who's still going to continue being with the company. It's like yeah. we're it's it's a adamant doubling down of we are so glad you are here and that part of your legacy is with us. And we want to do right by you in your continued journey. And, you know, she will retire at some point possibly retire I mean most likely retire while she is still working with in some capacity impact and I think it's a really beautiful thing that they did do all of this to really sell this idea that, it, that this would be the end and then say eh, no it's not the end we just really love this person and we want to make them as make them feel as important as possible we want them to feel as important as any of the goddamn men who have held our champions <laughs> and that is so rare and I'm, I'm just, I'm so pleased for her. And I'm, I'm every, for everything that impact does wrong, they do 
some things so right that it's I, I wouldn't have even predicted how much I needed that. And yet there it is. That does lead to the next question, though. Does that mean the last rodeo is over? The whole premise was she either retires or she becomes knockouts champion. She is now knockouts champion. Is she still going to be like, if I lose, I'm done? Or is that are we moving on from the last rodeo storyline? I think it has to be a move on, right? Like, I think now I would think so, too. It was was win or go home. She won. So now it's now it's what's next. Now she's champion. Now she's got to do her title defenses. Now she got to whatever. Like, I don't think they're going to keep doing this last rodeo thing. It's it's confirmed over like uh, before the match. The ring announcer said, like, this is it. This is the end of the last rodeo. That's right. He said this is the conclusion. After the the match, Tom Hannafin said the same thing. The last rodeo is over. I was confused by that. I thought thought he spoiled the ending when he said that. But then he said, yeah, either she wins or or she retires, et cetera, et cetera. And then Jordan has the opportunity to retire a legend, et cetera. But yeah, uh, no, you're right. So the last rodeo is over. It is. But I I was like, why? Yeah, you won the title. But I I thought this was a Ric Flair thing. You know, next time you lose, your career's done. So but I thought that, going forward, every match was going to be for her title and her career. But that was explicitly not what she had said in this whole storyline. Back on the September 1st. Story, the, the whole storyline has been, I'm going to work my way back to like being the contender for the Knockouts Championship. And if I don't get it, that's when I retire. Like when I lose, I retire. So either I get there or I, or I retire. But like once she's there and she gets it, I don't think the intention was to continue. Yeah. That that makes sense. So then where does she go from there? Obviously, presumably Masha, but then. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, Before we talk about what comes next, the match was really good. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was amazing. (laughs) Match was incredible. Um, uh, Jordan. Okay, so we've been talking a lot. That's true. Props to Jordan Grace and all this, all this talk about Mickey. Jordan brought her end of the bargain as well. Like she absolutely held up her end. Jordan had a really hard um, task here because Jordan Grace couldn't be as heelish as other you know women who had faced Mickey during this. Like she couldn't go into this match um, relishing a chance to like break Mickey James. Um, but in the same, like on the flip side, she couldn't go into this match with like, you know, utter reverence and like a big doe eyed, like, I just want to be a part of this. She had to walk a really fine balance of like being the stern champion who wants to remain champion, despite that meaning the end of the career of, of a, you know, an icon of the business. So like, that's a really hard thing to play. And I think Jordan Grace did a really great job in this storyline. She really did, especially with her video packages talking about exactly that. Like, it, 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 you know, she, Mickey basically, she did bring it on herself. But Jordan was saying, like, I'm going to win. Like, that, that yes, that means I have to retire a legend. But, like, that's what it takes. That's what I'm going to do. But it, somehow managing to not sound like a dick about it. Jordan kicked out of the McKick and she kicked out of uh, Mickey's patented DDT. But I don't believe... Mickey kicked out of any of Jordan's like real big signature moves. She countered a muscle buster attempt. Yeah, she but so she was in the muscle buster, but she didn't hit it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which which in turn protects those moves still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Instead, it's a uh, Jordan going shoulder into the post, and then a tornado DT, giving Mickey the win. 
Well, she also, uh, Jordan had Mickey in the sleeper, and they did the whole teaser spot, and, like, oh, she, was, she was out. She was... Ten minutes. Well, they, like, you, <laughs> she was really selling it. Like, her eyes were rolling in the back of her head. Like, she was going limp, and I was like, I, I, I bit. I was like, oh, shit, is this it? Like, is this the end? Um, <laughs> and then, of course, obviously it wasn't, but, like, I, I 100% thought that as the end. Stoppage, that's, like, a great, that would be a great way to end a career. Yeah, I said I, I 100% bought that as the finish, and then it wasn't, so good on everyone involved oh yeah absolutely and yeah in the end mickey james new knockouts champion she won the title one year ago at hard to kill wins the uh, title again one year Jump, later. right yeah yeah so last year the way this played out was she won the title at hard to kill and she lost it in march to tasha steels since losing the title to tasha steels in those nine months She's faced Tasha three times in tag matches, in duo tags, in trios tags. All three times, Mickey's team has won. But Mickey has yet to beat Tasha one-on-one since she lost the title to Tasha. Mm. So although Masha Slamovich is number one contender and has a match eventually, presumably at the next pay-per-view, I'm like, there's a story to tell there with Tasha as well, especially because that was only a year ago. Yeah. Tasha's still in the picture, right? I mean, she was supposed to be on the on the pre-show wrestling with uh, Savannah and them. Like, she's arguably, her and Savannah are arguably number one contenders to the take titles. I would think so. There's not really any other take teams. So, by default, by default, they're number one contenders. Unless you want to do some makeshift teams. That's kind of the, yeah. But I could definitely see them picking up the thread with Tasha and maybe having Mickey defend once against her on TV. Because the next pay-per-view isn't until April. we got a while. Well, they asked that at pay-per-view. They might also do something at, like, the Impact Plus specials. True. I always forget that that's a factor as well. Yeah. It's more than an episode, less than a pay-per-view, so. Do you want to see Mickey and Masha at a Impact Plus special, though? I mean, I don't, but that's also a long time to drag out a number one contendership. True. Yeah. But then Mickey's definitely winning, right? You don't do this whole thing in the main event of the pay-per-view and then have Mickey lose on Impact Plus. If Masha's title match is at an Impact Plus special, then Mickey definitely retains. Well, how? Okay, so so just predictions here, just like casting. I say off. that like I've been right about any prediction on this pay per view at all. So <laughs> <laughs> triple threat: well, okay. Mickey, Masha, Jordan. How yeah. long? How long do we think Mickey remains champion? Until April. <laughs> she loses the title to Masha at Impact Rebellion. Live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Oh. That would be good. That would be a moment. Masha as champ live. And uh, if they're in Toronto, maybe Mickey's old uh, friend, enemy, lover could uh, be in the crowd this time instead of Tara. Oh, uh, yeah. Even though Trish I don't doesn't, know. Li- I Trish think doesn't even still, live here anymore. But. I, think she's, I think she's still under like a Legends deal, though, so I don't know. She yeah. is, but for like, for, I don't know, for appearing at ringside and waving you think maybe they'd like allow it didn't they allow that for um somebody appearing in like a video package yeah they had aj styles pop up at uh bound for glory yeah uh, i was about to say especially even that was with the old guard um especially with the regime in charge let her do that who knows who's gonna be in charge of wwe come april oh that's true too i mean at this point it's probably gonna be nick khan <laughs> yeah or um the saudi arabian prince or uh Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it could be anybody. It's going to be Bob Iger. 
guys, it's me. I told I told everyone yeah, online. You bought you bought, you bought WWE. I did. I I don't know if you understand how, just how lucrative being a librarian is. Um, <laughs> I I bought it and um, yeah, it's now um, World Wrestling Emily and uh, you know well, the, change is coming, but I think everyone's going to be pretty pleased with what we have in store. <laughs> Big change is coming. I mean, like everyone is going to get their jobs back. Um, and uh, everyone will get what they want, and Ricky Martin will be on television every week. Absolutely, as he should. As he should. Hey, no, Santino Mara. <laughs> I like Santino. I think that's the perfect role for him. He's not taking up a roster spot. He's not trying to like show he's still got it, which he, to be fair, he absolutely does. But like the character doesn't. The, the performer does. Um, but he's, he's the. He's the director of authority. He gets to do silly comedy matches. He gets to do the Mick, the Mick Foley commissioner sketches. The Rock like and that, Cobra that's Express. That's the perfect for that character. What's that? The Rock and Cobra Express. Yeah, it's like that's the perfect spot for that character. I'm yeah. I'm surprised that he kept the name. He must have bought the rights to the name. And he's not, you know, dressing in drag and taking a spot in the Women's Rumble. Okay, so. So very true. I don't I don't blame him for that. That that's the booking. I don't blame I him. Now that said, he did say yes, took a paycheck and did it. So, I mean, he's not blameless. I blame him for the interview he did last year where he said that trans women shouldn't be competing with other women in sports because it's an unfair advantage and all that nonsense. That I blame him for. I didn't know no, that. No, now I'm sad. A, that's a bigger problem. Yeah, I didn't know that. Now I'm sad. <laughs> that, that wasn't Santino Morella. That was Anthony Corelli saying that, which is worse. So yeah, uh, better uh, Ricky Morton still better than Santino. Um, he has uh, just been proven an ally uh, by recent Instagram posts, of which I've been sent no less than five times at this <laughs> recording date because everybody loves to send me Ricky Morton content. Uh, by the way, if you have Ricky Morton co- content, please send it to me at tw- on Twitter at ForkedPGH. You can always send me positive Ricky Morton things. Um, please don't send me negative Ricky Morton things. I don't want. I, I don't want that. I don't think they exist, but don't, I don't want it. The, um, Richard Morton, the time that he joined the York Foundation and turned on Robert Gibson. Uh, well, we just talked about this. Yes, I know, but he there was computers involved. <laughs> it, it confused him. He got confused. He didn't know what he was doing. But give it. It was a, it was a confusing time. Anyway, impact overall hard to kill. Impossible to kill. This Hard to wrestling. kill my enthusiasm for this pay-per-view. <laughs> Mickey James's um, career. Hard to kill, apparently. Uh, yeah, hard, very appropriate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good good on Impact, man. This made me feel so good. This, you know, there's there's been some really cool stuff happening in wrestling over the last, you know, year, but Impact continues to be part of a really good movement in women's wrestling. And I, I'm just, it's always really thrilling to get another example of what they do right when they do it. So right. Um, and, you know, good on Mickey James for just taking this moment, like really following this momentum, not retiring, continuing to slay kudos to both of these women for delivering a killer match on top of everything. I mean, there was an emotional, ca- there's a huge emotional part of this story, but also the match itself just ruled. It was really, really good. It was very powerful. 
lots of really great near falls here that like nothing was predictable. There were definitely some parts where like, it felt like it could have ended at any moment. Um, it just really, really delivered. Jordan has so much more, um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Jordan is so much more versatile a performer than people give her credit for and, um, getting different, different opponents to challenge her in different ways really showcases that. So, Ah, uh, just overall, really, it felt great, and I love that there was a main event because it ended on such a high note. Yeah, that's true because that, that that's the last image of the pay per view was Mickey with the belt. Like that's that's the lasting and, image and of this pay per view. And her little son. On the with his head, her little noise canceling headphones on. Yeah, but I'll say with the headphones. Yeah. I'm just gonna cry. Yeah, he was just there. And he was on the ropes. It's just so cute. I am definitely gonna buy tickets. I'm gonna go to Rebellion. And I, wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have said that like a year or two ago. I probably would have been like, eh, it's a lot of money and like impact. I don't really follow them all that much. But no, hell yeah. Like whether yeah, Mickey's champ or Mosh's champ or Kelly or Jordan or whomever, like I can go into this paper or knowing that. that's where Masha becomes champ. Yeah. I, I, regardless, like with the, with this roster, I can go into that pay-per-view knowing I'm going to get at least two great women's matches that night. Plus I'm going to get a great speedball match. Probably a, Josh, a great Josh Alexander match too, unless they really amp up the Canadianness and do Speedball versus Josh Ooh. in Canada, which is possible as well. Which one that would also be a banger, but yeah. I mean, you win either way. Yeah, that's true. So I'm, I'm definitely gonna. They haven't announced the venue yet. They haven't announced my tickets go on sale or how much they are, but I'll definitely go. Mayday, take that panel out of your car. Make the drive. I'll buy you a coke. <laughs> I'd be there if I possibly could be. Uh, now I'm sitting here trying to work, work out logistics in my head. It's not impossible. <laughs> That's our show. As always, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. Now available on Patreon, finally, after months of anticipation, it's the ninth episode of our Patreon podcast, Women's Wrestling Entertainment. We do this episode a couple times per year. It's Em and I charting the history of women in the WWE. This episode takes us back to the late 80s, early 90s. We look at women in WCW from 1972 to 1993. These are wrestlers like Misty Blue and Bambi and our beloved Judy Martin. These are valets like Miss Alexandra York and Baby Doll and Sunshine. We have Paul Heyman in an arm wrestling contest against a woman. We have Missy Hyde and Medusa in a bikini pageant hosted by Jesse Ventura and Johnny B. Bad. We've got multiple matches that end during commercial breaks and are never addressed again. This is a great, this is a great <laughs> episode. It's 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 a laugh riot. It is. Um certainly something oh it's a ride friends you gotta if you are if you've been waiting for a reason to subscribe to the great and glitter patreon um please use this as your definitive reason to at least give us a month of your time you in that month you can catch up on all of our previous episodes of women's wrestling entertainment you can listen to the recent one you can listen to episodes of grit glitter and glow my occasional podcast with Valerie Quartz, Gearmaker to the Stars, um, about Netflix's series Glow, where we go back and we watch it episode by episode and talk about uh, both the history of women's wrestling at that time of Glow 
the original glow and also what was happening in women's wrestling during the time of the Netflix glow. And also we just talked about the episodes and how good they are. Um, you can get all that and more by subscribing to our great glitter Patreon at the $1 at the $5 level. $1 gets you our weekly newsletter. Remember, when you subscribe to the Great and Glitter Patreon, you're not just giving me, Harley, and Mayday money to blow on impact pay-per-views and road trips to Toronto. <laughs> you are giving us money to put back into the wrestling ecosystem. You are giving us money to sponsor things like Enjoy Wrestling. Enjoy Wrestling's Odyssey has just premiered on YouTube this past week, and we are a proud sponsor of their YouTube series. We like to put money back into the wrestling that we love and that we know that you love. We like to give it directly to the wrestlers so that they can keep wrestling and keep doing the matches that that make your wrestling best ofs every year. So give us your money so we can give it to them. Easy as that. Next week on the show, it's a new installment of our perennial series, Living Legends. This is a series that we came up with last year where we do a deep dive biography on the life and career of a great wrestler of marginalized gender who is still with us today. Usually it's somebody who's still active. That way we can really give them their flowers while they're still wrestling and make a mental note as to, hey, I need to keep watching their matches. We've done Veda Scott, we've done Mercedes Martinez, we've done Gail Kim, we've done Jazz, and what the hell, next week on the show, it's Mickey James. What are the odds? The life and career <laughs> of the former Alexis Lurie, from Oof. the Indies, to her time with Raven in The Gathering, to her time in Ring of Honor, to WWE, to TNA, to WWE, to TNA, and back and back again, <laughs> Everything from, oh, lesbian kisses to garbage bags to Piggy James, mm -hmm. all the highs and the many, many lows. And then one last high, I guess, right at the end. Not last, but like one, uh, last, one last yeah. for, the, for the time being. Most recent high. Yes. Yeah. Spo spoiler for next week's episode, Mickey James is still working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs>